are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the November 18th edition of Locked On Dolphins. It's week 11 in the 2020 NFL season. Your Miami Dolphins are 6-3, and three, and we are getting ready to head to Denver to play the Denver Broncos. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshments you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Give me a quick sec here. Sip Pepsi to get us rolling here on this hump day edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, director of scouting at the DraftNetwork.com, and finished charting up the Dolphins' performance offensively against the Chargers yesterday. One of the things that really stood out as I'm watching and studying and, and graphing and charting the plays, diagramming the, the route combos, it felt like this was the game in which the Dolphins' RPO slash alert tendencies really took off. That's something that Brian Flores talked about ahead of the Rams game, really, as he said, you know, not necessarily realistic to expect an overnight change to infuse a bunch of new concepts into the offense. I really don't know that they're new concepts per se, but Brian Flores was right in that it took a couple weeks, but you're watching the Dolphins' offense operate in Week 10. And how many times did we see Tua Tagovailoa rise up out of the mesh point to throw? He threw a speed out to Jakeem Grant on 1st and 15 with one of the first plays of the game. They have 2nd and 3 in the red zone. And Tua pulls the ball out of the mesh point and throws the fade to Devontae Parker, who catches it with one hand, but only gets one foot inbounds. I still think it was a touchdown, because when other teams play the Dolphins, if you get your shin inbounds, it counts as a touchdown, but apparently not when Devontae Parker does it. Weird. Three more times throughout the course of the first half, Tua rises up out of offensive lineman, double-teaming, climbing to the second level, insert block from tight end, and throws a pass, identifying one-on-one coverage opportunities when the Dolphins are outnumbered in the box. More prevalent in just the first half of the Chargers game, and then coming out and doing it on the opening play of the second half than what was recognizable in the first two games combined. So that either means that these things have been called, but we haven't been taking the throws, and now we are, or the frequency of the calls is going up. But I really thought this exchange with the Dolphins between the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half was really interesting because Tua Tagovailoa throughout the course of uh, the post-game and immediate aftermath of the win against the Chargers. He talked about one thing that was really important to him was continuing to get on the same page with Chan Gailey and understanding why plays are called in certain game situations. So that way you're, you're both viewing the concept through the same set of eyes. Well, the Dolphins, they're in the mid-red zone. It's 11.08 left in the second quarter. Second and four. And the Dolphins come out in a two-by-two 
set. It's a condensed set. It's not one of these super wide, use the full width of the field concepts. But to the left of the formation is Malcolm Perry and Jakeem Grant, and they're in a stack, which means one is lined almost exactly behind the other. And Jakeem Grant, at the snap, took two steps back as though Tua could rise up and throw hot to him. And Malcolm Perry kind of does a vertical stem, but sits down as though he's going to block. And it turns into Jakeem Grant versus one player on the outside. And on the other side of the field, you have Durham Smythe off the ball, one by one outside the right tackle, and Devontae Parker in a condensed split. Devontae Parker runs a shallow post, which breaks over the middle of the field. In the backfield, Salvin Ahmed runs an inside zone concept. And on the first play at 11.08 in the second quarter, they're on the 12-yard line, second and four. It's the play before the fumbled snap. They gave the ball back for the, to the Chargers on the short field to bring him back in the game. Tua gives the ball to Ahmed, and they get three yards. But you looked at the coverage shell. The, the Chargers were running cover three, which means you've got three off deeper players in coverage. The throw, the quick throw to Jakeem Grant to the left had room to work. And Devarte Parker's shallow post to the right also had room to slot in a tight window throw because the linebackers sucked up with the run read out of the mesh point. So you think about Tua Tungvaloa talking about, yeah, one thing that, that we just were looking forward to is, is getting more in tune with why calls are being called in certain situations. Well, you go to halftime, you come out, and the very first play that you call is a drive starter. And it's the exact same concept. Nothing changed other than the time on the clock and the field position. Now the Dolphins running on their own 25-yard line instead of on the 12-yard line going in. And this time, the free safety shaded two or three yards extra to the left, to the field side. Tua throws the shallow post. Now, the throw was high because a linebacker flashed his hand at the line of scrimmage, forced Tua to throw the ball up over him. So the ball was incomplete. But I thought that was a really good example of how the Dolphins are making progress through things beyond just yards and points. Because Tua Tungvaloa himself unsolicited, referenced drive starters being an area of understanding why the calls are being made. And this was a really cool in-game example of that, of a play call midway through the second quarter that the Dolphins then went to half, had an opportunity to discuss at length, come out opening play of the second half and revisit this concept again. And this time, Tua takes the space. So as this Dolphins offense continues to mature and evolve, look for that. Look for plays that you've seen conceptually before become revisited and potentially, hopefully, become more efficient. Because that was one of the things Brian Flores, when he was asked about what the team has done to this point in time, and he said, you know, one thing I'm proud that we've achieved is getting everybody to play selfless and play together, but there's endless area, rooms of, of improvement for this team, whether it is a red zone offense or third and one runs, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And he, he goes down a longer list of a bunch of things that he thinks this team can do better. 
and that's a living, breathing example of it, a concept in which there was clearly, you know, there's no, sh- can't go broke, take it a profit. So there's no shame in handing the ball off on second and four and getting three yards. But your big plays, your chunk plays, you, you're you really gouging teams. And the, the Dolphins being able to free up this running game a little bit, it's going to have to come from the pass, but it's going to have to come from the RPO-type concepts in which the Dolphins have multiple avenues to pursue on any given play, and then Tua Tagovailoa's chemistry identifying, hey, second and mid, this is what coverage-wise we're going to get. So my anticipation can continue to improve and become even greater to know pre-snap what I should expect to see. So that way when I get my post-snap confirmation, bang, I can go into it. That was the big offensive takeaway for me from the Dolphins is we're seeing this evolution begin to take place. How did the players themselves execute it? Well, that's a different story. There was some good. There was some bad in this football game. I didn't think Mike Gusecki played a particularly strong football game against the Chargers. A couple opportunities where it felt like he played passive at the catch point. They ran a deep over route. It was almost like a deep scissors from you know, two deep crossers, one from each side. It was a three-man route release. And Gusecki, it was not the banana route that he ran up the seam that cornerback Mike Davis broke up that almost got intercepted by Denzel Perryman. This was a little later in the first half where he ran this deep over and Tua threw it from his uh, to the open side of the field. And if Mike works back to the football, it's a catch, but Mike continued to fade as he's addressing the ball and not close that window, and the corner in coverage was able to trigger and, and reduce it and break Mike's hands at the catch point. So uh, I know there's a lot of questions about Mike specifically and, and how he's playing and what the frustrations are, and this wasn't his best game in, in my eyes. What I'd like to continue to do with the rest of the day today is continue to talk about who performed well, who did not, and then also look forward to the playoff picture because it's it's pretty clear what needs to happen for the Dolphins. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can help get you there. Echelon is the next generation of connected fitness bikes, mirrors, rowing machines, and they have a brand new Stride Smart treadmill as well. So no matter what your favorite fitness activity is, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout that you can attack from the comfort of your own home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes, always available when you need them. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone. And one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon of fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. That's echelonfit.com slash NFL. E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com. Who else stood out? Throughout the film study, the Dolphins' performance against the Chargers offensively. I thought the tight ends had a nice game outside of Mike Gusecki, ironically enough. Chris Myrick only played a handful of snaps, but Durham Smythe was used pretty frequently. 
And we also saw a lot of Adam Shaheen, the Dolphins, running more 13 personnel than any game thus far this season. What does that come back to? Well, some of that is from a personnel standpoint. You like your matchups if you can keep the Chargers in with their linebackers. If their linebackers are players like Kaiser White and rookie Kenneth Murray and Denzel Perryman, players who all give up significant amounts of production in the pass game when they're targeted. So naturally, the Dolphins going with three tight ends is an effort to continue to keep them in base defense and keep their worst pass coverage options on the field. Durham Smythe, the throwback touchdown, really nice example of that. Durham Smythe also did a nice job. We finally hit the shovel pass. You will never hear me get more irrationally excited than the Dolphins hitting this freaking shovel pass. Because it was too smooth. Too smooth. I remember watching it against New England and Buffalo, and I'm like, man, the running back traces inside on this speed flat. Watch the bubble, because they pull. They do the pull for an influence block to kind of pull the play side linebacker down as though he's got to fill a gap. Well, then they turn around and they pop you with, instead of the tight end blocking the man on the scrimmage, he leaks out in the flat, and if the linebacker's looking at the pulling guard, bang, you hit the flat. It's a third and short. It's a short yardage concept. You don't block the play side defensive end because he's anticipating the tight end's going to fit him up. Well, the Dolphins kind of changed a little bit. They put a little different window dressing on it. Jakeem Grant runs the jet motion across the face at the snap. The running back runs the flat, and the tight end becomes the pitch man. So they kind of flipped it, where typically the tight end goes first, he runs the flat, the running back traces behind the quarterback, and he's the inside pitch. Not this time. This time they rode through the mesh point, running back's out in the flat, tight end is more of a slow play, and he's inside. Bang! Eight-yard gain. Now, Durham, we got to talk a little bit about your open field vision (laughs) skills because you had more room to work than the seven, eight yards you picked up, but that's okay. I thought Eric Flowers played a great game for the Dolphins. Uh, His pulls, he beat the tar out of dudes. He was very proficient in pass protection. I thought the interior for the Dolphins' offensive line as a whole played really well other than Ted Karras. There were a couple of plays where Ted really found himself kind of overextended. He had one play on on a third and short in which he got swam over, got caught, and and created a tackle for loss. Uh, Him trying to kind of handle guys one-on-one I didn't think was his best effort. But Eric Flowers, really good in pass pro. I thought Austin Jackson handled Melvin Melvin Ingram really well. Uh, There was one play in particular in the first half that did stand out where – Austin kind of got his set shortened a little bit. Well, thankfully, Tua Tagovailoa has a good feel of the pocket, and he was able to step up and avoid that pressure. Uh, but there were a number of reps where he was on an island, and they did four-man slide protection away from Austin Jackson and left him on an island, and he didn't overset, which means he didn't jump too far out and give up the inside counter, or he didn't stay too flat and give up just a really soft angle around the outside. So Austin Jackson, I thought, played a good game. Solomon Kinley... I thought played a good game for the Miami Dolphins. Pass protection, he was super sturdy. Um, The run fits, the chemistry there with Jesse Davis, um, it can be better. And the, the, the Dolphins can become, continue to be more proficient with their run game 
if they're able to really close off some of this backside pursuit, can it really get off of some of the double teams that they're engaging in on the, the A level, the defense on the defensive line, and get up onto those linebackers? Uh, that for me is, I'm not surprised that it's kind of murky waters because we had Kinley and Davis, and then we went to Kinley and Hunt, and now we were. Kinley was out for Davis for a little while, and now Davis is back to right tackle, and Kinley's back at right guard, and, and Kinley played the whole game. He played 58 snaps offensively. Uh, Robert Hunt only played two snaps uh, for the early on, and then it was the Jesse Davis show uh, the rest of the way. So I know I mentioned Jakeem Grant's name, but we would be remiss to not mention him as well. Uh, he was another player who I thought had a really good game offensively uh, for Miami. And then you add the special teams value with how many short fields the Dolphins got set up on courtesy of Jakeem Grant's punt skills. This has not been a podcast that's been super fanboy of Jakeem Grant, but you got to tip your hat. The Dolphins have a quarterback who is a little bit more anticipatory as far as he's comfortable throwing that ball early. He seems to trust Jakeem Grant a little bit more. And because of his accuracy, the ball is on Jakeem's face at the catch point more frequently than it was with Ryan Fitzpatrick. The big test for Jakeem Grant is can you stay healthy in a featured role? Because guess what? When the Dolphins win 11 personnel, Jakeem was on the field. Wide receivers for Miami. Devontae Parker took 53 out of 58 snaps. Jakeem Grant took 44 offensive snaps. He ran 21 routes. Only Devontae Parker ran more routes in this football game than Jakeem Grant. That's great. And I feel like the usage that they found for him works, but now you got to stay healthy and prove that you can endure the wear and tear of an offensive workload in addition to your special teams opportunities. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. The Miami Dolphins are firmly in the hunt in the AFC East. They are a full game behind the Buffalo Bills, uh, a half game in the win column, and also having lost the head-to-head thus far this season. Now, these two teams will play again in Buffalo Week 17. Buffalo is off this week, which means the Miami Dolphins will have the opportunity to pull even in the record with the Buffalo Bills in Week 11 when they go to Denver to play the Denver Broncos. Miami's hopes of winning the AFC East do not just lie in beating Buffalo Week 17. 
If these two teams finish with the same record this season, even if Miami wins in Buffalo in Week 17 and both teams finish 11-5, and hypothetically, the Miami Dolphins' avenues from there to win the division are very slim. Assume the Dolphins win at New York. Play the Jets. Assume the Dolphins win against the New England Patriots and assume the Dolphins win at Buffalo Bills. That's three divisional wins. That will put them at 4-2 and two on the season in the division. The Buffalo Bills only have two games remaining in the AFC East. Week 16, they are in New England against the Patriots, and Week 17 at home against the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo is 4-0 in the AFC East right now. So if the Buffalo Bills beat the New England Patriots Week 17, or Week 16, and then lose to the Dolphins in Week 17, if they have the same record, the Bills will win the division courtesy of a better divisional record at 5-1 versus 4-2 for the Dolphins. So for the Dolphins, you need to get even with the Buffalo Bills, and then you need to beat them the rest of the way. So if you omit the Week 17, and you say that's going to be a win for the Dolphins in the scenario in which they win the AFC East, the Dolphins will need to be a game better than the Buffalo Bills the rest of the way. Now here's the good news assuming if we're finding a pathway for the Dolphins to win the AFC East, we have to assume they beat the Denver Broncos in week 11. That's all the Dolphins themselves care about, but we looking at the big picture can afford to look beyond it to look at what the landscape looks like. The five games before the Dolphins play the Bills, Miami is at Jets home for three in a row, Bengals, Chiefs, Patriots at Las Vegas Raiders. The Bills are off this week. The five games that they play before playing the Dolphins Week 17. Home against the Chargers at the San Francisco 49ers versus the Pittsburgh Steelers at home and two more road games at Denver and at New England. If Miami takes care of business the rest of the way, let's say they they win every single game the rest of the way, they will be AFC East champions. If they beat the Denver Broncos, they lose one game between Week 12 and Week 16, but the Buffalo Bills win all of those games, even if the Dolphins win Week 17, the Bills are looking at an AFC East Division Championship. So we, as Dolphins fans, Everything you want is in front of you. If you win out, you take care of your business the rest of the way, you're going to win the division. But that would be an extremely unlikely scenario for the Dolphins because you're talking about, what, 12 wins in a row? And you'd be finishing 13-3. and That's not a very probable. It's mathematically possible, but law of averages, understanding the Dolphins do have some flaws, understanding the Dolphins do have to play the Kansas City Chiefs, Schedule makers did the Dolphins a favor because the Bills, the same week the Dolphins play the Chiefs, play the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's plenty that can and will change between now and Week 17 when the Dolphins play the Bills. But know this. If these two teams climb even in Week 11 courtesy of a Dolphins win at Denver, whichever team has the best record 
from weeks 12 through 17 between the Bills and the Dolphins will be your AFC East Division champion. The Dolphins cannot afford to tie the Bills from here on out, which means if they're both 7-3, and three, the Dolphins cannot afford to have both teams finish 11-5. and five. If Miami's going to win the East, they're going to have to win it outright. It's all out in front of them. But it's a conversation we do need to start having as we start preparing ourselves for December football. Uh, the Dolphins' next two games, Broncos, Jets, Let's take care of this one week at a time, just like the Dolphins do. The Dolphins, Brian Flores committed to win the day, one day at a time, one week at a time, embrace the methodology of it all, the process of it all. There's joy and hard work, as Brian Flores said, at the end of the 2019 season after the Dolphins unseated uh, the New England Patriots in Foxborough. There's joy and hard work. Dolphins continue to embrace hard work one day at a time, and let's let the chips fall where they may. But just know this, Dolphins fans. AFC East Division title, you win Week 11, and then it's a six-game sprint against the Buffalo Bills knowing you get to play them once. So over the five games before that matchup comes down the pipe, you got to match the Bills and wins each and every week. And if you do that, it's all right there for you to take. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked on Dolphins. As always, you can find me at Grinding the Tape. At Locked On Fins with a PH. Hit subscribe on the pod. We got two more this week. We got Locked On Crossover Series with Locked On Broncos and Cody tomorrow. It'll be a good one. So come on back and see us. Thanks as always for listening. And keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins.